behind the scenes here. Mm-hmm. What we used to do in the years and years ago when I started this horse shit is we would be on Skype all the time. Yes. We, when we were playing games, even if we could be in a PlayStation party or an Xbox 360 party, I think back then, I have no idea how long we've been doing this, Jesus. Or Fio and Rob, right? That's Sizzy. We would just hang out in Skype. We'd be there for hours and hours and hours. And I would cut off if there was something funny or interesting that happened during our gameplay. I would cut that out, and that would be the intro for the shows. And I would do this, you know, kind of as a surprise. These guys never knew. Well, they knew they were being recorded, obviously, but didn't know what I was going to cut, what I was going to take, or what funny shit was going to happen. But we don't do that anymore. We don't get on Skype for anything because we just get on the PlayStation Party because it's more convenient because it's there. So the years of funny shit that we have lost because we don't get on Skype anymore is just so sad. It's almost like it's being phased out. No. Oh, well, I'm phasing them out, yes. But not by choice. I mean, you know, they're phasing themselves out. That's the reason why I'm on here frequently. Yeah, because you fucking have things to talk about. You're like, yo, dude. <laughs> yo, dude, I want to talk about Crusader Kings some more. And I'll be like, okay, sure, I guess. Uh, I, got, uh, I got a dick on. Like, man, I, could, I... I could talk about like 100 games, but I don't. Because they're not interesting. I could talk yeah. about fucking... What did I play? I could talk about Deathloop or... Uh, some other shit. But I don't. It's like, that's not terribly interesting. I want I want this to be an interesting show. I try. I try my hardest. I try my hardest to make this an interesting show. And sometimes it doesn't succeed. And sometimes it does. It's not called the Internet's Most Interesting Gaming Podcast. This is the Internet's Worst Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Loki Jarson. Uh, with me again is my brother, Lord Master, uh, Thomas, as I much prefer to call him, because it's his middle name. Hello. Hello there, Loki Jarson. It's been months. We don't do these as often as we used to, but that's because the people who used to do them with me don't. Uh, nothing against them, but that's the way it is. And we have They're our busy, own busy people having busy lives. I'm busy too. I'm not busy. You're busy. You do keep busy. What have you been doing these last couple of months? Uh, the last uh, couple of. You months. know what? Let's stick to games. What games have you been playing the last couple of months? Because, fuck real life. Yeah, it's nothing but movies and television. But on the gaming uh, portion, well, it was mainly Europa Versalis 4 with the two ongoing series with. Croatia and the recently concluded Delhi Mughal series. Especially that series. How did it conclude? Uh, what was that? How did it conclude? Um, I mean, at least we had a peaceful and, well, somewhat peaceful, just to try to keep any form of rebellion down, but prior to it, like a decade prior, oh my god, it was the largest war I've ever 
been part of, and you know, I'm the one that started it. I take full responsibility. Hmm. You wanted this battle to happen. Yes, it was a five-year world war. A war to end all wars, except sent in the Napoleonic War era type of warfare from 1799 to 1804. A lot of countries were involved in which I can still remember the full list of it, which I doubt you want to name it because that's going to... Yeah, I'll just I believe that you were a lot. You were India, basically. Yes, uh, Mughal Empire, India, from spanned from as far east as China and the Malaysian Peninsula and as far west as the Zagros mountain range of Iran. And your opponent was what, the world? Um, the Ottoman Empire. Um, uh, uh, keep in mind, we have allies and they brought allies too. So I was Mughals, that's the main attacker. And the main defender was the Ottoman Empire with many, many, many allies, including the larger ones such as Florence, France, Genoa, um, who else was involved? Oh, yes. Terre Australe. French Australia. <laughs> and we had, and we brought allies of our own, such as the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth, Great Britain and their colonies, such as British Alaska, British Brazil, British Columbia, British Louisiana, British Mexico, Cuba, English Columbia, not to be confused with British Columbia, and the, uh, oh, Newfoundland, uh, and the 13 colonies. And as well as a few other ones, such as Japan, Mongolia, and Venice were also involved. So, the world. Yeah, it was fought all over the world. Only most of Africa and uh, South America was largely spared. Um, so, it was mainly in the Middle East, um, Eastern Europe, and um, Italian front areas. That's where the most uh, severe fighting took place. And there was fighting in North America, too. Mainly in the modern areas of northern Mexico fought as far as Chihuahua and as far up as modern US states of New Mexico and Arizona and there was even scant fighting way up in Alaska uh, this is the EU4 not Crusader Kings so you're not playing as a guy you're playing as like a country a country in and of itself and you're not trying to win like religious dogma over everyone you just want no we picked humanist ideas we don't do that if you want to do religious dogma you go for religious ideas if you complete it they give you the holy war Cassius Belli but it's the same thing it's like okay kill everyone who disagrees yeah but this is a war between two Islamic empires before everybody in the world decides to join up on it what you, what you wanted you planned this out for several videos I'd imagine yeah, it was a five-parter. That's how long Great War lasted. We did a video of a span of a year before we do in the next one. Because we have to cover all fronts, all the troop movements, all the ships at sea of where they're going and all that. These these will be out by the time this is out, by the oh, way, because no, no, this no. won't be out for... On, well, the final two episodes of the series are going to be up um, later on. The five parts of the Great War are already up, so you can relive the okay, horror that's what I was of asking. war. Yeah. You don't get to sound disgusted or horrified when it was your idea. Yeah, I mean, when we started the war, I was enthusiastic, you know, just saying, you know, slogans like Jai Hind or Hindustan Zindabad and all that. And then after five years later, never forget, never again. Again with the haunted expression, you engineered it. Yeah. Before we get on to the next topic, do you want to know how much the total casualties of that five-year war was? Go ahead, because even another thing you're enthused about. 
um, enthused. It sounds like a excited. Yeah. Um, all I could say is, um, by the way, it started on February twenty fourth, seventeen ninety nine, and ended on February twenty fourth, eighteen o four. Five years exactly. It was deliberate, waiting for the armistice. So the it was said it said it is a glorious victory, but what glorious victory? Only I only made specific gains that I wanted, just for strategic reasons. We didn't want to take big chunks of land, just only what would benefit us. A win's a win. Uh, so the the total casualties, attacker casualties, in other words, Mughal and Allied casualties. The total is 1.8 million. So to be exact. 1,856,000 dead, with 379 ships sunk. So presumably your enemies had more. Slightly less, but more towards ships. The defender casualties on the other side is also 8.1 million, to be exact. Uh, 1,812,000, um, with 565 ships lost. So they had more of a naval casualties that's why they lost yeah we had more of a naval advantage um especially the british they had way more ships than us because we were more of a land empire than an overseas empire you know what's really i don't know about stupid is the right word but i'm gonna say stupid stupid about eu4 is that you keep the names it's like oh it's british you know british venezuela what, what are you talking about just venezuela you can say that or rename it yeah, there were a few countries that are neutral including independent colombia they granted independence from the portuguese well, See, I was going to say British Columbia, but British Columbia is not anywhere near Columbia. Yeah, and then there's English Columbia, which is down in Columbia. British Columbia was referring to not Canada. So there's English Columbia and Columbia? British Columbia and English Columbia, yes. English is independent? Uh, no, still part of British Colony. It's just a... So there are three... What? Yeah, it was, it was colonized by England before it turned into United Kingdom, uh, or Great Britain as it's called in the game. So it retained a name somehow to avoid confusion. Anyway, so you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna brush that idiocy aside. Just, just don't. Yeah. Worry about that. Uh, one last thing about the randomness of the world map, including colonial leftovers that gained independence. Haiti in the Delhi Mughals play. Haiti was also a independent country, not only in Haiti but spanned into northern Mexico and half of Texas, including where we live. They owned South Texas. You don't need to tell the people at home where we live, that's and, fine. And, uh, there was a... Well, at the end of the playthrough, there was the top eight great powers in the world. And, uh, number eight surprisingly made it this far. The Independent Kingdom of Florida. It was formerly a Portuguese colony, then they became independent and formed a kingdom, not a republic. <laughs> Spanned from Florida all the way up to Montana. Okay. Yeah, they were neutral in the Great War. They didn't take any sides. They sat that one out. Because it's all about territory control, I guess, for that game. Yeah. Anyways, are you taking the, are you going to start another one immediately, or are you going to step aside uh, EU4 for a while? Well, since the Croatian series of EU4 is still ongoing, so it'll probably be like at least a week or two from now before I, I will You're wrap up that You're not trying to kill series. everyone there? But there'll be no more EU4 after that for the rest of the year. Because uh, we will focus on Crusader Kings 3 with its upcoming DLC and updates. I'm saying you're not trying to kill everyone in the Croatia playthrough? Croatia? Oh, Croatia? Well, 
we were originally content with the Balkans, then we decided to go, well, play the role of the British Empire, so to speak. We became a colonial and global trade empire, different from Mughals, distinctive identity. But the only difference is, not a monarchy, but a parliamentary republic with imperialist attentions. For money. The search for more money. I probably should have said this at the beginning of the show, but we got a late start here today, so I, I skipped a lot of stuff, including going over the format. Uh, I hope my voice is coming through okay, because I feel a little scratchy. Because earlier in the week, you and I were watching some fucking horrible television, and I was yelling a lot. And I'm suffering the consequences of that now. Yeah. Uh, I might cut that. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't think about these things during, and I only think about them after. Yeah. What? What? what you something else next? You want to move to the next game? Yeah, we mentioned uh, Crusader Kings 3. As I said, what's the future I have planned for? As we know that... I mean, when I finished my last Crusader Kings 3 playthrough back in early March with the Bosnia series, which was a far more successful in terms of the amount of time you put in and the territory you've expanded. And just before I finished that series, they announced their first DLC, which I wasn't there for. But I still bought it anyway, because, you know, future reference. I mean, sure, that so makes the sense. first flavor pack, it's more flavor pack than DLC, so to speak. There's a difference, you know? Yeah, price. Yeah. It was announced on, back in 2020, earlier this year, uh, March 13th, and then released three days later alongside of its patch. It's the first flavor pack is called Northern Lords, which is... They added more flavor content for, you know, the Norse, because you know where Paradox Interactive are from. If it's just flavor, why do they need to charge for it? So the same price. It's like, this is just text. It's not like they gave you new options for your ruler. So, the features that they've added, again, new events and cultural themes related to Norse society. That complex society where loyalty was based on more than a noble bloodline. And leaders had to prove themselves as warriors, but yes, also as judges and governors. So, after 200 hours of Valhalla, I've pretty much had it with northern people. So the features that they added, such as Norse adventurer realms, where Norse characters may abandon their own homes and lead hosts into foreign lands to establish their own kingdoms, kind of like what they did historically. And uh, also featuring. The Joms Vikings and the Shield Maidens. Norse Holy Wars and Stalwart Shield Maidens take up arms on the behalf, while poet characters can compose stinging rebukes or romantic overtures. All of which is way overblown as to when, what actually happened. The Shield Maiden part the or the, the Joms kind of Vikings people, part? All three of the things you said, in fact. Way overblown in, like, popular culture. Uh, we give the Vikings way too much credit, I think. As a student of history myself, I just never, you know, not to the degree you are, certainly. But they didn't do that much. Their era was incredibly small as compared to, like, Roman or British. Or even Greek, for God's sake. They had, Vikings had so little time in which they actually did anything. But it's like, oh, guy with the horn helmet, a Viking. Oh, yeah, the Vikings settled all this crap. Uh, Minnesota, the Bluetooth icon. And that one time where they went to America, Leif Erikson. Yeah, and didn't do shit. That's yeah, my point. They went there, they settled the there before are... they realized, ah, there's nothing there. The natives are too hostile. I'm just saying, as a barbarian society, the Vikings are overrated. So, again, the Viking Age started from 
793 AD lasted through 1066. Yeah, that's nothing. That's nothing. Yeah, but only very in yeah, world only history. very few settled that still made an impact in European history. I know, but my point being is that they didn't go far. It's like, okay, we went to the east side of the upper north the upper Canada, upper Canada, up there, you know, where that is. And then but they didn't go into like deep Europe. There's all that land to conquer and they're like nah. yeah, they only went to coasters. They stuck close to the coast. They went as far as Holmgarde, the Norse name for Russia, the land of the Rus. Um, England, of course, that's well documented. Normandy, and even as far as southern Italy. And those that went to Byzantine Empire were just there to find work, not to raid, because too powerful country. But also in the DLC features... Have you... Go ahead now, go ahead, follow up after... So they saying. also added new cultural content for them, such as special Norse dynastic legacies, Norse blot sacrifices, trials by combat and cultural innovations, as well as numerous new events for additional color. Now, blot sacrifices, you ever heard of those? Or am I mispronouncing it? It's spelled B L. No idea what yeah, it's spelled B L O with an accent T. It's. Uh, I assume that means the word blood, not. Yeah, blot. it could be because you know Old Norse versus Modern English. No, I've just played 200 hours into Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Uh -huh. That's all I know. So the blot or whatever, um, it's a tenant in itself. Uh, by the way, the Norse faith originally in the game, it's three tenants of the Asatru faith, the native name of that faith. Used to be ancestor worship, human sacrifice, and warmonger. With the Northern Lords DLC, they changed that. They switched ancestor worship with patron gods. They kept the warmonger, and they replaced human sacrifice with blood with their own special purpose. Which, what that's for is executing prisoners grants piety, such as plus 50 piety for a count, plus 100 for a duke, 250 for a king, and 500 for an emperor, 25 plus for anyone else lower than that. Have you actually played any of the this? The Norse part? No. <laughs> Too many people done it. It's very popular. <laughs> but you're going uh, to? You bought the fucking thing. Well, I haven't really gone back to the game as much as I just did practice to see what country that may interest me, which we'll talk about the other DLC in just a second, including a bunch of, you know, the last new features other than the art and the music, and more in the Northern Lords include... Berserkers, missionaries, runestones, Varagian adventurers, which is Norse working for the Byzantine Empire. And, uh, of course, all the other highlights from the keyword exciting history of the Norse people. But, um, as for the free patch that came out of it, they only added three features. Um, one of which was heavily requested. Um, one is winter is added to the map, which means during the winter months you see snow on the ground in the northern parts of the world. Which does affect the supply limit for the army stationed in a certain county. So, uh, was requested a feature that makes the game harder? Unless you have the, one of you commanders, or you personally have the winter soldier trait where you fight better in the winter. Or you got a metal arm and you speak Russian? Ha! <laughs> uh, but also, they added, again, this is something that's heavily requested. Duels between two characters. People wanted duels. And, uh, and finally, you can become a poet if you wish to, depending on how you pick it up, probably through an event or something. 
It's a great way to ensure that no one wants to continue your legacy and people will try to kill you. Plus, who has time for Norse poetry? Again, another thing that's highly overrated in Valhalla is the flighting, F-L-Y-T. Oh, with yes. A, with the marketing called rap battles, it is not rap battles, it's just very slow poetry. Who is the insult master? Kind of, but there's only like 15 in the entire game and you don't really get a good sense that people did this all the time for money. Like, you go around dr and get into drinking contests for money, and I imagine people did that back then, because they certainly still do now. But as far as, like, rap battles for fun, I don't really think this was a huge thing. Yeah. Um, this is something that, like many, many things in history, this is something that has gotten bigger the further we get away from it, like duels in the Old West. How many people really in Viking era fought to the death one-on-one? -on -one? No, it's for honor. It can't really be that many. Or sparring. Yeah, but they're not to the death. Their talents would be wasted. Yeah, but it happens. Shit, I, I swear. There's like 30 of those fights in Valhalla. You just some go up to some Hi, Drengor, how are you doing? And he's like, I'm old and the guy I used to serve is dead. Kill me. Like, they're fucking samurai all of a sudden without a feudal lord. Yeah, but there's no such thing as feudal back in Scandinavia. It was still tribal. Well, then why the hell are all these people killing themselves or dying in battle? It's like, I have to die in battle or not at all. It's like, what are you even doing here? Get out of my face with this stupid It's either shit. part of their culture or their gods dictated. Remember no, the warmonger tenant. Their culture sucked and their gods were stupid. That's why they're all dead. What's the next thing? Uh, the, the first expansion, the first DLC, not the flavor pack, but expansion pack, so to speak, is, um, which is, which its, uh, release date is still to be determined, but as of this recording, it seems we're getting very, very close. So I felt it would be enough time to tell it, because I think they practically said it all, because their last dev diary was talking about music. Uh, Behind-the-scenes stuff. So this uh, expansion is called Royal Court, which is about, um, uh, again, it's not about, you know, what the Northern Lords were doing up there, but down in, whether if you're in Europe or Africa, Middle East, or in India, they added... Plenty, plenty of features regarding holding court, the grandeur, the throne room, and cultures and all that. So, it's something that they just added just to add more events since the almost everyday events were quite lacking. Unless you're using mods like I do. Well, there's something to be said that this happens in a lot in games where, you know, devs work on a game for years and they release it and they think, alright, we think we released a complete game. And then especially on PC games, it's like, well, actually, here's a community that figured out how to add more stuff to the game, except their stuff is free. So the developer will, or actually more like the publisher, but considering PI is the developer and publisher, they'll be like, well, we can do that too, but we're going to charge people for it. Uh-huh. Or even just, it's like, hey, come work with us. We could use you something like you. That doesn't happen as often as you. it should, frankly. But, uh... Not even any names, but a lot of games do that. Well, they'll be like, we released a game, and people are like, it sucks, fix it. And they're like, but it is fixed. This is how we wanted it to be. All right, we'll go and fix it, I guess. I don't know how. That happens mostly with multiplayer games, though. Mm -hmm. Single-player content for something, a game like uh, Crusader Kings, I imagine, is just more traits. Can't think of anything else useful. Huh, right, um... So, Royal Court, uh, as the description says, How will you rule when your subjects come to you with their complaints? 
Building the grandest Cornwall with me. Please be vassal and attract interesting people, but also... Tell him to fuck off, because you're the king and you can do what you want. <laughs> That's an option. Ask to leave court. Oh. What also gives your complaining courtiers a place to find you. Make decisions that will smooth the troubled waters in your kingdom while impressing visitors with your collection of masterpieces and relics. Which is, again, something that people have requested since the game came out. Since you, they want a few things that came from Crusader Kings 2, but now let's bring it into this new game. What they... I was just saying, like, earlier when you said the, uh... Whatever you said earlier, it doesn't matter what you said, but it's like... I'm pretty sure that feature was in the previous game. It's like... So they just want Crusader Kings 2 again, with a new engine. Yeah. Why they? Why do you think there were three EUs uh, before the fourth one? <laughs> and he's still yet to make a fifth one, but I think it's high time for one one, thanks. Yeah, it took, what, eight years for a new Crusader Kings? Yeah. Um, That one, by the way, the Crusader Kings 3 is coming to the Xbox console, which you have. Oh, oh. But I don't think it's that particular Xbox console, right? No, it's next-gen. For both so Xbox and S or the X, yeah. Well, I have an X, and uh, I'm not getting it. So, unless you plan on get one for Christmas, buddy. I only played one. Yule Tide tradition in the North. I only played one strategy game that was way back in the Xbox 360. It was Command and Conquer 3: Tiberium Wars, and its expansion, Kane's Wrath. I did a multiplayer match once, which took me about oh an hour and a half. I even had. An opportunity to, to go do one bathroom break real quick before I got back there real quick. It's like, okay, nothing's happening while we can still think before that guy makes his next move against me. There are a handful of strategy games on the console. I know that Stellaris game is on there. Uh, and uh, is it City Skylines also on it? No, tech, that's more of a Sims, like old Sims, not Sims where you control little people, but Sim, like Sim City. Ah, uh, yes, you know, all the Sim games are too numerous to mention. Well, they're not anymore. They don't make any... EA doesn't make any Sim games that aren't The Sims where you control little people going to work and, like, having babies and shit. Uh, or them speaking... But there are simulation games. They're just not made by EA. Or them speaking Simish. I don't know. I don't know nothing about that. Because um, I always... Again, it's management. It's, like, the most boring shit on Earth to me. At least in Crusader Kings, you can kill people sometimes. Yeah, it's character-based than, than rather than country-building. So it's I know, but it's, still, but it's not like you go out... I said, I said this in our first episode you and I did together. It's not like you're out there pressing buttons to kill. You don't swing a sword by pressing A. You know, you read about it. You gotta make a decision. Like, are you sure you want to do this? Uh, that's, that's the kind of decision making. Because they give you the chances. Possible dice rolls and all that. Which I guess could be fun. Yeah, there's percentages and all that. But... Uh, Again, the roll court expansion. <clears throat> so, they added new ways to interact in the Kingdom of Empire, as well as the major changes to the cultural system of the game, which adds greater dynamism, or dynamism, what is that word? I have no idea. Oh, and historical fluidity, so... They added features such as, um, hybrid cultures, so, you know, to make the most of a multicultural realm, because, you know, Almost every country in the world in, of the Middle Ages isn't always homogenous. There's always little cultures within a big country. So that means, well, similar to EU4, now you got to appeal to minorities. The whole non-accepted and accepted cultures. That's something we do almost exclusively here in the United States. 
Yeah, that's part of their traditions, which does not generate any negative opinions due to religious differences or cultural differences. That's an EU4 uh, context, keep that in mind. So rather than, you know, like assimilation, you're like, oh, not assimilation, because it is assimilation. Rather than suppression, it's assimilation. Yeah, and we mentioned briefly about the Kingdom of Florida. There were a few Moroccans living in Texas, but that was because the Portuguese sent them there. Oh, and anyways, the hybrid cultures gives you the option. It's like if that culture is very much accepted towards you, and also your character has to learn the language of the minorities, or unless you're the minority that has to learn the language of the majority, then you can, you know, it's like, okay, now we have an understanding, so increasing opinion. To the point where it may give you an option of a hybrid culture. Like, say, if you are... I mean, the only grand example is if you're the Seljuk Empire. This Turkic Empire that conquered Persia and later Anatolia. Where there's a lot of cultures living there. And then you decide to... If you're Turkish and you adopt part of the Persian culture, then you would be, by default, Turco-Persian culture. Which gives you an option of changing the traditions or even their clothing of the appearance and so on and so forth. So they give you that option. But that's only if it's from a different culture group because Turkish is part of the Turkic group while Persian is Iranian culture, for example. Like, say, um, if a... I mean, French is part of Latin and Italian is part of Latin. So there can't be an Italo-French um, hybrid culture because they're part of the same culture group. They can't do that. It has to be outside of it. Or, if you wish split from your traditional culture and adapt it to something new that better fits your aspirations. Uh, like say, uh, if you are, like, insert name culture here, and then you decide to divert from your traditional culture, create a new one, the default name would be Neo, insert name culture here. Uh, or you just change your traditions or whatever. <laughs> this needed a whole update? Yes, this is all in that upcoming update. Uh, and, uh, and I mentioned traditions and ethoses. Like, every culture has its own tradition. Like, say, if you are a Sardinian, you would have an isolationist culture, which means cultural acceptance gain, big-time reduction, and they have reduced diplomatic range, and they don't like uh, marriage acceptance towards other cultures. That's also a negative. They like to keep to themselves because, you know, Sardinians, for example, islander people. Now, for those of us who don't know about tiny friggin' islands off the coast of Italy, it's a tiny friggin' island off the coast of Italy. Yeah, that, that's just one of the examples of cultural traditions. And the ethos, um... Ethos. Ethos, okay, thank you. It takes me a while. And one of the other examples is, um, Stoic. You know, for the Polish culture. Um, uh, which, you know, the culture believes in standing strong like a mountain and taking any hardship in life that may throw at them. In other words, they do better on the defensive wars because they have the advantage of fighting defense and less stress gain and less friendly fatal casualties. They'll fight to the death, basically, because they are they were those kind of people back then. That's not what stoicism is. I said stoic, right? Yes. Um, or even... Uh, uh, courtly for the French character, uh, French culture, for, you know, the whole uh, monthly prestige and all that, and more of these other traditions, for example, which, again, the French also have, you know, chivalry, 
which they added more prestige bonuses if you succeed in doing the romantic scheme with another character because you know the French were known for the chivalry and, and the romance and all that uh, and I saw well they are in popular culture that doesn't mean that it actually happened for the millionth time of this podcast yeah I saw the uh, uh, response on the Paradox Interactive forums when they were doing those dev diaries where one guy I imagine people apparently really like this stuff that you're talking about I mean most are positive but one guy was kind of concerned it's like it's like, isn't that a little stereotypical? Um, and uh, I was like, yes, your ancestors were like that back then. That's what it says. My my issue is, all this stuff you're saying is like, so... This isn't like they're adding new countries. This isn't like they're adding new technology. It's all just, just extra shit. Yeah, just adding more extra content of the... This should be like a $5 thing. How much is it? 20 Fuck! Yeah, again, Paradox Interactive is notorious pricey for DLCs. That's absurd. Uh, besides the culture thing, they've also added, you know, stuff that's related to, you know, the throne room, which they'll add a visual representation of the royal courts that will reflect all acumen of majesty and prestige of your dynasty. That's only available if you are of a kingdom tier or empire tier country. What if you're... And care about a tiny picture. Although I know in, in CK3 it's a big picture now, but it's still a picture. Yeah, but now they just have a 3D view of inside the throne room of a country. Huh. Was, uh, <laughs> and if this were an RPG, that would be great. It doesn't matter. Yeah, just picture a throne room in, throne room in Skyrim like you're in Windhelm or something of how grandeur it looks. Cool, and Jarl Ballsack or whatever his name was just sitting there bored out of his <laughs> mind. And you can... Uh, Balgruff, yeah, I remember, because I said the wrong word. And you can increase the grandeur. There's a level for that. Grandeur in the uh, court by having fancier trappings and better food, all to better impress your rivals and attract higher quality guests to make it look like this is a fancy place and make outsiders, the guests, think, wow, I really want to come to this place. It may bring in talent to I people. I wouldn't think that. I, I would think I would want to destroy it. I'd be upset that this asshole is spending all his resources on making his house better while I gotta farm dirt. Let's overthrow the king. Unless some Norse raider or a steppe raider comes in and tries to, you know, raid your capital and take all the, uh, the money uh, due to the valuables you've been housing. Yeah, I imagine that probably happens a lot. And as well as holding court, which... Again, they added a lot more events relating to that, especially on the notification on the side of the screen. That's like says one. It's like email, like go pick it up. And then it says, okay, what is it? You've got to interact with your vassals. Oh, good. More busy yes, work. Yes, interact with your vassals or courtiers as they come to you with their problems seeking a royal judgment, knowing a steward can't handle everything. they got to look up to you rather than your underlings. No, I get it. I get it. But you haven't actually played any of this. Oh, no. That's still coming up very, very soon. Uh, but you're probably going to make videos about that at some point this year. Um, yes, so I'm sure people would probably start playing either a Kingdom or Empire's tier so they can get right on with that Royal Court stuff. If you are a Duke or a Count, you don't have a fancy throne room. Because you are a... Like if, if you're an independent county, then that makes you a less than. And if you're an independent duchy, then you're either viewed as a duchy or, in a certain culture, a petty kingdom. There's no grandeur in a petty kingdom. 
And then one last DLC feature that we do add is inspired people. Like we mentioned about bringing higher quality guests. Some of them might be talented artists, craftsmen, uh, or thinkers that can work on new projects. Adding treasures and artifacts to your court. I've seen in screenshots from the dev diaries where a guy is inspired to write a book and you couldn't sponsor it to compose the said book and he might give it to you. Or... He will give it to you because you're the fucking king and you can order yeah. it. Uh, or the guy is inspired. It's like, I want to make a dagger. And then you can sponsor it and it may give you your own dagger as a personal weapon. He damn well better than the king. What's his May shit? There's no May. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, that could depend, especially if you... I don't know. If you're going to do an intrigue way and say, I'll kidnap the guy who is inspiring to do something and says, like, you kidnap, and then you recruit him. It's like, you work for me now, if you're that kind of guy. There's no penalty not to. I don't see why not. Unless they were taken by... Uh, Unless they were taken prison during a siege during a war, if that guy happens to be in a court who is one of those inspired people, and then you might want to keep him if he's if it's something that may benefit you. So after I told you all the futures of the Royal Court DLC, that when it comes out, which I think it's likely going to be a week or two before I actually start the series, because there might be some problems as with everything when something is released, and you got to wait for the patches. All modern games need updates. Yes. Uh, so wait for the next patch, as well as the mods that I like to use are up to date if they can get their lazy ass to work. <laughs> but I don't think they're that lazy. They're much more diligent than I give them credit for. So. <coughs> so. The next playthrough, I mean the last one was in Bosnia that was set in Eastern Europe. So not surprisingly, that next playthrough will be set in Eastern Europe, but non-Slavic. Um, <coughs> and it's a minority culture since... Of course know, it is. But it's a minority culture that people hardly ever talk about, and yet I see them all the time in many of my Eastern European playthroughs. <laughs> Especially if it's pre-1066. Oh. <laughs> and that's why we'll be playing as the um, the Avars, or the Avars, depending on how you pronounce your A. Um, Haven't you done this before? Am I crazy? What, the Avars? Yeah, because I, I know I've heard that word before from you. Well, perhaps when I was playing as um, any of the South Slavic countries or, or that one time with the Republic of Venice with that silly little thing that's... don't think it's really mentioned because it's not as notable as some of the other little mini-series. But they... but keep in mind, when I say the Avars, um, it's... the one in particular we're talking about is the Pannonian Avars. Not the Caucasian or Caucasian or people of the Caucasus, what are they called over there? Yeah, not the Caucasian Avars, which is what the UFC fighter Khabib belongs to. Um, but the Pannonian Avars, um, they were native from the Pontic Caspian Steppe. Um, but they escaped from it due to the rise of the Guk Turks, um, which is spelled G O with an accent, K Turks, with a U with the two dots accent. Um, which the. Which it's the, called an umlaut. Yeah. It, the Guk Turks, um, which is from their language, which it means Celestial Turks or the Sky Turks or something along those lines because it's referring to the internal blue sky, Tengri. Oh. <laughs> so, so the Avars bursted onto the historical scene in the mid-6th century just to escape from the rule of the Guk Turks. So they left the steppe, 
And they were going to go down to the Balkans, but the Visiting Empire under Justinian had contact with them. And it says, no, you can't go that way unless you're going to spend money to help us, help with us or something. So the Avars turned in another direction and went to Pannonia, which was an old Latin name for areas of modern-day northern Croatia, Hungary, and the Transylvania part of Romania. But again, it's not like the real history really matters when you're playing this game. So the Pannonian Avars started becoming in existence as a state of the Avar Cognate, went from 567 through 822 AD. That's how long they've lasted. Unlike the predecessors who lived in that area previously, the Huns under Attila, which it's like, yes, he was around, made an impact, but the Huns after Attila, they went away quickly. But the Avars, they stuck around. So the... So as for the Avars of 867 AD, the earliest starter you can start in Crusader Kings 3, they are a minority culture. They became a minority in their own settled homeland because of um, the land was split between two countries. One, they are under the vassalage of the Kingdom of Bulgaria, which expanded northwards, and the Pannonian March that Charlemagne had left over, um, which was later taken over by the Carantanians or the Slovens, respectively ancestors of the Slovenes and the Slovaks. So this uh, minority culture is to, like what we plan on doing it is, well the first major goal is, well, survive, basically, because you know with the whole cultural acceptance and the cultural hybridization and all that, this is a perfect setting because the Avars are part of a Turkic group and you're surrounded by other culture groups. You know, this wouldn't be a prop. This wouldn't be a problem if you, for once, would pick a major guy because you're always picking minor things nobody's ever heard of. If you pick like the fucking Italian Empire, you'd be set. But you always want to make it harder on yourself. And and just to make it even more harder, there's this scenario oh. um, for at least the Avars to be on receiving it. Besides living under the Bulgarians, but also I will have the game setting of the Hungarian migration. That's an option in the game to set to historical. So the Hungarians will start appearing in either between 890 through 910. That's when they migrated to Pannonia. So To wreck your shit? <laughs> to anyone that stands in their way. And, and there is an option if the Hungarians, whoever they fight against, that want the area, including where the Avars lived, um, that any remaining Avars will be vassalized under the Hungarians. So we become even more of a marginalized minority on the Hungarians. So this is a story of survival as a culture. Is the Hungarians, are they not the Huns? Am I, is that not the same thing? No, they are known in their native language as the Magyars. Who are the Huns? Uh, that is a controversial subject because they can't find an agreement <laughs> where they came from exactly other than they came from the far step. Even the Avars are unknown origins. I said they're part of the Turkic group because that's what the game says. But the Avars themselves, unknown origins. Turkic, Mongolic, Tungunzic, it's disputed. Um... One even proposed Roran, which, by the way, the Roran are the guys who were described as Huns back in the Ballad of Mulan story. Sure, the writers of Roran. So when do you think that's going to happen? Like, December? Either late this October, if not next month, highly likely. They're not going to go far as December. Um, but I know the series is going to last for months, as with everything else that I've done in the past. That's what I mean. It's like, when you're starting it. Regardless of when it's happening, because it hasn't happened, it hasn't released yet. So you can't do anything with it. So yes, 
that's what that playthrough is going to be all about. It's about these formerly nomadic um, Eurasian steppe people that settled in Pannonia and they had their own cognate, then they became a minority, and then the Hungarians will come in later in this playthrough and make it even more of a minority, and we'll try our damnedest to not to give in to cultural assimilation and preserve ours, or branch out of it if we want to make it better. We must protect our way of life. Yes. That's what the story's about. All right, before I get to talk about I've got to play you one more update on your Black Widow series. Last time you said, when we did this show months ago, you didn't think you were going to make it to 100 videos. How many do you have now? As of the playlist of the GTA 5 Black Widow series, 110. So you thought of some more ideas then, huh? I just keep finding them somehow unless I have uh, inspiration. Inspiration. So... Uh, in fact, when we recorded that last podcast, which was largely about the subject matter, when I, uh, mm -hmm. it's like when the movie came out on July 9th, the number of views I had for, I mean, the most viewed video I have that relates to, to my black girl character was around 4,000 when the movie came out on July 9th. And after the movie's release, it exploded in views. It jumped up. And as of today, it's over 8,000. So it doubled since the last few months. Hmm. But again, that's just that's just a how to you know, the character create 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 editor, whatever. That was what the video was for. Tutorial. Oh I see. Yeah. Separate from the video series. Series of Of cinematic missions, I guess. Yes. In the online. Uh, how many more do you think you're going to get? Well, I've re the past few nights, because I only do it by night, never in a day, because that's PC recording day. Um, <laughs> because on the late nights, particularly from between 10 to 2, uh, that's when I record if I ever have inspiration or found something to do. And as well as the same time, that's when I get to work on the editing. I haven't worked on the editing of the newly recorded videos that's yet to be released. So the final number might ex might be expected to be 117. Nice round number, of course. Uh, isn't that an odd number? Yes, that's my joke. Don't step on it. Uh, you know I take things literally. So since this is my show, I want to talk about things I played. Earlier this year... Actually, no, wait. I need to go further back in time. Yeah. Years ago... Way back in all of, like, 2018, I don't care what people say, because I read the Wikipedia thing, a dumb little roguelike named Hades came out, named after the Greek god of death. It was critically acclaimed for whatever that means anything. And then last year, in 2020, it was released on the Switch, because it had only been on PC before then. And a bunch of people gave it games of the years of whatever, who cares. Uh, this year, it was released on real consoles... <laughs> I choked at my own joke on the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. One of the co-hosts, uh, Joe Stizzy, had played it on the Switch and recommended it to me. Uh, he said he enjoyed it quite a bit, even though it was a roguelike. We've talked about roguelikes before, you and I, won that episode that I misspelled as Rouge. <laughs> um, but I, I wish we'd recorded that after I played this game. Anyways, he recommended the game to me. He liked it a lot, and I was very wishy-washy on it because the art style is very... Off-putting, everything I ever heard about the game was people praising the art style, or the characters, or the story. Nobody ever fucking talked about the gameplay. So it was on, luckily, on Xbox Game Pass, which I have. 
Because I downloaded it, I played it, and I got very frustrated and upset with it, and I didn't like it at all. Uh, so, I don't know, I put a couple hours into it, and I made it to the titular Hades, he's the final boss. Who, by the way, has some bullshit. When you get him down to zero health, he suddenly gets 100% health again. He might as well have two health bars or double the health. I don't know why fucking video games do this. I know you can't see. Any I know you can't see me right now, but I'm shaking my head when you told me about you killed him, and then he's alive. Yeah, it's bullshit. By the way, you can make the game harder so that he has a third phase. Um. Uh, anyways, I told Sizzy I didn't like the game. I, I didn't get what everyone was on about, and he basically said, "Well, of course you don't like it." He didn't say this, obviously, Sizzy. If you're listening, I'm doing a silly voice. Well, of course you don't like it, because very often he recommends things to me then, and I don't like for whatever reason. It just irks me. And I get this mentality in my head. I've been called on this show and off air kind of a hipster of I don't like popular things. And that's absolutely not true. But I don't like... I, I enjoy being as independent a thinker as I possibly can, including if I have to be wrong, I will take the wrong position. But that's kind of stuck with me for a while. So a few weeks later, I re-downloaded it on Game Pass. And I played through it again. I put serious work into it, put serious time into it. And I beat it. But in order to get the ending, quote-unquote, of the game, you have to beat Hades ten times. So I did that. And then the credits play and a terrible song played. By the way, I need to say this. Look, ultimately, I had fun, okay? I ended up enjoying the game a lot. I enjoyed it so much that I went and actually purchased it on PlayStation. Uh, I have a PS5 here, but I bought... When you bought it, one of the very few games where you buy a PS4 version, you get the PS5 version for free, or vice versa. So... After a while, I did 100% the game on both platforms, both PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. I got my money's worth out of it. I 100% platted it twice. <laughs> that being said, as much as I enjoyed the game, I don't like the art style. I don't like the characters. I fucking hate the dialogue. It's the shittiest, most insipid, stupid fuck dialogue, and I despise every single conversation I ever had in that dumb game. So many of these trophies I have to get revolve around dialogue. And it doesn't trigger. You talk to some asshole and you be like, please give me your stupid thing. Please give me your stupid thing. Nope. Gotta come all the way around again. So I gotta go back through the fucking Hades thing and die. It's all about death and roguelikes. So you run up and die and come back. It's like, give me the fucking thing. Give me the fucking thing. Doesn't do it. Run back to the thing. Blah, 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 blah. So yes, I had fun playing it. But all the things that were not directly playing the game sucked. And that's all anyone talks about with this fucking game. So that's uh, how I felt about Hades. That's it for me. Well said. I've really had it with Greek gods. Can I just say that too? I've had it with Greek gods. I've had it with Norse gods. I've had it with the Egyptian gods. Pick a different culture, video game developers. Yeah, just to go back very briefly. You know what's the religion that I'll be playing as with the Avars? What's the word for multi-god? I can't remember what it is. Polytheism. Polytheism. Is it polytheism? It's either or. Oh, what was that? I believe it's polytheism. Okay, great. They got their own stupid gods I've never heard of. Did make a video game about that? No, of course not. <laughs> yeah. I will say I definitely had more fun in that roguelike than I did in Returnal. Returnal's terrible. Now, speaking of terrible video games... No, I'd have no idea if it's going to be terrible. You played... Yeah, two betas. Two? Okay, so... The Battlefield... Tw it's 2042... Yes, 2042. Okay, that got pushed 20 minutes, 20, no, not 20 years into the future. I almost said 20 minutes. 
<laughs> that got pushed back a month because people have basically used these last two years as an excuse to delay their games because they're like, oh, health and safety. Yeah, horse shit. You know it doesn't work and you want to push it back so you can force people to work on it more because labor laws are different in the United States than they are in Europe, even though DICE is mostly European. Anyways, and what's the next Call of Duty called? Vanguard, and they're going back to World War II. Vanguard recently had a beta, and apparently it was bad. You played it? Yes, I played the Vanguard beta for about uh, one day, and I felt, okay, I get the idea. Not to mention chaotic. Like med messy, or just everybody just waving around? Oh, a lot. Especially um, that I did not really set the playlist. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I played game modes such as Team Deathmatch, Kill Confirmed Domination, including one new game mode called Patrol, which is fucking chaotic. Um, because it, just picture it's King of the Hill, but it's a moving King of the Hill. But well, it's not like hill. It's not like hill. Uh, like oh, the hills move to another side. No, it's constantly moving. Okay, so you're out on patrol, so to speak, and then everybody's gonna jump at you. This was in 2016, Doom. That game mode. Yes, I don't remember what it was called, but in in Doom, the reboot 2016 game, they had this mode. I never played Doom online at all, so I don't remember what it was called, but it's that mo moving King of the Hill. Yes. <laughs> Mobile or moving King of the Hill? There's no better descriptor for it. That's that's what it is. I mean, before like the game mode you're describing, like Halo, was teleporting King of the Hill. This is moving King of the yeah. Hill. Yeah. 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 That's uh, that is just all that. <laughs> Not to mention World War II era weaponry and so many attachments Speaking and of different optics that you can put. Yeah, that's, yeah, again, World War II weaponry with a lot of different attachments, including many different kinds of optics, few of which are fictional. Because you got to have an equivalent to a red dot sight or a holographic sight or a four zoom scope. I'm just got to have equivalents. How much more blood can we squeeze out of World War II, really? What do you mean by that? I don't know. They're, they're all over the place, you know, Battlefield and Call of Duty in terms of when these games take place. We're like, okay, we're going back to the modern day. Okay, now we're going to the slightly ahead of the modern day. All right, now we're going back to World War One. All right, now we're going back to World War Two. They're just jumping back and forth all, all the time. Not the previous Call of Duty, but the one before last year's was a World War Two game, right? It was just called World War Two. Uh, Call of Duty World War Two, yes. I never played it. <laughs> Uh, so the Vanguard beta did not convince you to pay for the next Call of Duty? I'm just convinced it would run better on next gen. Well, that's true of nearly every game in existence. Uh, Activision has had, let's say, a very controversial 2021. A lot of lawsuits, a lot of accusations, a lot of people losing jobs. Whether deservedly or not, a lot of censoring content in other games because they're afraid of being sued for being sexist. A terrible remake in Diablo 2 thing because of changes to things. And apparently they've got so many studios working on this Vanguard thing. That's one of those, it's a too many cooks situation. Uh, the Warzone stuff that's like 200 gigabytes for the fucking uh, Battle Royale mode in that. I can't, Blizzard Activision is in such a mire right now. They're just messy. I don't want to give them any money at all. And I, you know, I, I'm not going to control anyone else. If you want to buy it, what do I care? But it's like, man, they just are terrible now. They just keep putting out shit. So I can't imagine that Overwatch 2 is, whenever the hell that comes out, is going to be any good at all. 
because they'll have too many studios working on it, fucking with too many things. And people worried about being sued because they once pinched a girl's butt in an elevator ten years ago. Well, um, I... Well, I can't speak for any of that sort of thing, because that's beyond me. Well, you don't pay attention. Let, let's be real here, dude. You don't pay attention to video game news. No, not at all. I stay away from it. Well, I do, and that's part of the... Used to be part of the way this show ran. But the other beta uh, is, as of this recording, continually going, so that so now you know when we recorded it. Is so I basically got Battlefield, the idea. Huh? I basically got the idea. Battlefield 2042... How is that? Is that better? Did you say 2142? You mean 2042? Did I? I don't know. I'm, I'm very much mouth today. <laughs> yeah, 2042. 20 years in the future. I almost said 20 minutes again. 20 minutes keeps coming first for me. Which, again, again, hasn't come out yet. It's just only the beta portion, so you get the idea of the multiplayer. I'm not talking about the whole game in general that's for a later time um well the whole game where? is multiplayer there isn't going to be, unlike vanguard there's not going to be a campaign in 2042 which for my money is good because battlefield campaigns are fucking horrible they even got rid of the battle royale because when they put it on battlefield 5 it was not very popular compared to say warzone of call of duty and warzone is becoming less popular again because of file size and che and blatant rampant unfixable cheating that too and they keep shoving even more and more content. And with Vanguard coming up, they're going to shove Vanguard content into the Warzone. Oh, I'm 100% certain. But in terms of content, apparently the Battlefield beta has one map. And I think this is the thing they used to do a lot, too, when 3 and 4 and 1 were having their betas. They only have one map, too, I think. Yeah, they, it because it has its limits of a sophisticated game. you got to keep it in one map. <sighs> I don't know about that. And a small selection of uh, weaponry, because can't have too much. And all that. Now, um... But now, there's the signif there were some significant changes in the Battlefield multiplayer compared to the past titles. Because the one thing I noticed right away was... You know, the ability to throw a grenade. It's not the usual look and throw, like in the past games. Instead, it's... <laughs> you press D-pad up. Again, Xbox reference for a controller. Um... Or you press deep pad up, you got your grenade in hand, you are equipped with a grenade, and now you can throw it. I get why they did this used to be a regular thing. I understand why they did this to cut down on grenade spamming. But in reality it takes you like an extra half second to think about it. You have to think before you do it rather than just react to it. Yeah, I don't think in the past Battlefield games you can ever have the ability to cook grenades to blow yourself up before if you're that kind of person. Um, no. <laughs> uh, they just you hold it, give you time to think, are you going to throw it, throw it? Or you made a little mistake, because no, I don't want to throw it. Then press Y to switch to weapon, and your grenade's not released and all right. that. Grenade canceling. Yeah, it's the grenade spamming you mentioned. Well, in Battlefield games, it's usually equipped with one grenade. Actually, you are equipped with two grenades. Hmm. Including two motion sensors. That's another alternative you can have. Um... That's, and the class system is really changed, um, in a way, because so, there's the... So we, we used to have assault, which is gun shooting and exploding. We had support. Engineer? No, we had support, which was, uh, I can't remember, this was not the medic. This was the one where they throw ammo at you. The medic, which is a different one where they throw health at you, and sniper. Don't ask me what it's actually called. Recon? Yeah. They fucked with it. That, that was what it was in 3 and 4, in, like, Bad Company 3 and 4. 
They started fucking with it in 1, they majorly fucked with it in 5. How have they fucked with it this time? An old memory just popped up. I don't know if you want to address that here. It's an old Battlefield memory. Bad Company 2. Because you mentioned about machine gunners were medics. Remember that? They had the defibrillator and health packs. It's a little odd. You know, support guy. Um, I know, but they changed the names, too. Like, support is like support. Well, instead of supporting with health, we support with bullets. What? What are you talking about? Yeah, it was an old memory that popped up in a map in Bad Company 2, Harvest Day. Uh, this one map I go to where I just grab my uh, my quad bike, a four-wheeler. Uh, I just drive it all the way to the enemy's positions and I blow up their bridge by setting C4. And I usually sit in the building and wait for it to blow up the set bridge to take a vehicle out and slow them down for them to get involved in that bigger battlefield out there. Because I remember the assault class is the one with the C4 and the ammo box um and i remember this memory um where it's like okay i put c4 on the bridge now where to hide okay in this house but i don't want to use my knife because when you use your knife your character yells what's the quietest way use your ammo box so i threw the ammo box at the window so all you hear is a glass break and then i come in the building and hide Mm, i see what you're saying so to get back to the future here if we can what how did they actually i interrupted you so how did they actually change the class system so you got your operators and the packages. So that's the two differences. So let's say uh, this operator, like this guy has the ability to um, use a grapple hook. And, uh, and this other one whose name escapes me at the moment. Um, yeah, so that grappling hook where you can... You know, just imagine you're Spider-Man and you just shoot at some place that you... Yeah, you can get a hook onto, and then you just imagine the thing they're also doing in Halo Infinite. That same shit. Just imagine it. And there's one uh, other operator that um, uses more of the. Um, it's like a recon drone, hmm. and for that, and the other who's into. Um, well, actually, no. The repair tool stuff that's equipable in one of the packages, unless you change that as an option. Um, and the one other operative who has the ability to use a syringe pistol where you can revive a character from a range instead of getting up close to it. Taken straight from fucking Rainbow Six, by the way. Never played it, but I didn't start it, but that's for more of the just-in-case if friends are interested. You have a giant game on your console that you don't play. Yes, and you even got me a Game Pass, and I didn't install one game, which is another just-in-case, because I saw some of my friends were playing it. What? Marvel's Avengers. Thomas, that game is 150 gigs. Yeah, again, that's just in case if you need help with something, whatever it's Game Pass stuff or whatever. I deleted it, because it's 150 gigs. Okay. I mean, that's <laughs> Xbox, keep well in mind. Yeah, I know. I have more room than you do, but that's why that's why I'm surprised because you have so little room. Um, back anyways, to the battlefield. Um, the packages. Uh, there's the assault package, engineer package, support package, recon package, separate from the operator. Because uh, okay, I think I get it now. So the operator is more of abilities versus gadgets. You know. So is it like Battlefront Two? Yeah. Now, now, now that I think of it. So, your operators are your Jedi? Yeah. Okay. That has their own abilities, yeah, that, that's what they're for. Okay, but it's still so, first person. Yes, still first person, so... And all the weapons that you use, even though I said... 
the uh, assault engineer room. It doesn't necessarily mean all the equipment and uh, weaponry. That's actually for all kit. So all the equipment and all the weapons are all kit, so to speak. So why even have a class system then? Why not go the Call of Duty route and put anything on anything? So you could say you can run around with an assault rifle while you're wearing a ghillie suit. I know, I, I get the appeal to that, but then why even bother with classes anymore? Like, there have been two heavy hitters the last f 15 years in video games. There's been Battlefield and Call of Duty, right? And I guess Halo if you're really into that. But Battlefield has set itself apart from Call of Duty in its class system. And all they've done is mess with it and mess with it and mess with it to the point where it's like, apparently they've done the full as much as they can without absolutely getting rid of it. It's almost like they want to do away with that stuff. Then they just but do it. Nothing's stopping them. Are they scared? I don't know what... Maybe uh, Battlefield multiplayer is having a, um identity crisis. It's been that way for quite a while. It, they just don't know what... Call of Duty has won every single year, and they just put out shit. Yeah, it's the 2K of shooter games. Yeah, they throw a spaghetti at the wall and make a game about the spaghetti that fell on the floor. Uh... Battlefield comes out with one every couple of years, and they're like, okay, what if we just change everything? Okay, now that we've changed everything, let's change it all back. Uh, yeah, I remember another thing I, that it says over in the Battlefield in the beta. Um, those attachments, you cannot equip them off the main menu, so to speak. You have to do it in a match. And, and also on the go, you can change attachments while you are out there in the gameplay. Uh, Thank so you. Thank you, Battlefield 2042, for catching up to Crisis 2 on the Xbox 360. That's where I first saw that, by the way. Yeah, I've seen Crisis, an older version of it, and played by Nick, the other brother. Yeah, he's been on the show. Um, they're remastering all three of those games, by the way. I think one is already out, the other two are coming this month. I like Crisis. I never played it. No, I did play a little bit on the PS3 competitively, but I was terrible. Which is the other talking point here is like I didn't play Vanguard, and uh, I ain't playing this Battlefield beta, and I ain't playing the main game. I don't have any more patience or time for online shooters. First-person shooters. Maybe I could be convinced to play a third, but like I said this before, I, I can't play competitive online shooter anymore. I can't. I'm too old. I'm too slow. Is Battlefield fast, or is it still as slow as Battlefield, where you run for a mile, get sniped, and then run for a mile? Well, so it's only one map that was given in the beta, so it's kind of... I don't can't find a word for it, but a part of the map is wide open, and a part of that map is a big-ass building that you can fight indoors. Oh, and by the way, since it's only Conquest mode, that's the only one that's given so far, it's not just capture this flag, um, you have to capture a sector, which means, for example, you gotta capture, like, if you want to fully capture the sector, you gotta capture A1, and then capture, um, A2, in order to capture A sector. Okay, so it's like, not was it Operations, is that what it was called? Yeah. So every match takes an hour? What, an hour? No, no, no. Um, because it depends on the number of tickets that they would put on both sides. So it's basically just... It's still Conquest with a few tweaks, but not the wide-ranging Grand Operations game mode. That's good, because I fucking hated Operations. And that mode in Battlefront with Galactic Conquest or Capital Punishment or whatever the hell it was called. Capital Supremacy. Whatever. It sucked because it took forever. 
Yeah, that tested my patience. But so are you gonna, after, what are your impressions of this beta? Is this good? I mean, at first, on the first day, I wasn't feeling it until I played more. Okay, now I got it. Especially now I figured out how to switch attachments on the go, depending on the situation. Like, it's like, hey, I'm fighting indoors. Put a suppressor on so they can't hear me. Uh, it's like, if I'm outside, get rid of that suppressor. You need range. Mm. And get a scope, too, while you're at it. Think fast. That makes sense, I guess. Also, it should be noted that because you're playing on an Xbox One, uh, you have, I don't know if it's a smaller map, but I know it's smaller player base. It's 64 max. 32 versus I know, 32, yeah. I know on PS5 and Series S slash X, it's, it's double that. So maybe that's a difference for people who are playing on that? I don't know. I'd have to ask Rob because he already pre-ordered it. So he already paid the money for this thing that might be a broken piece of shit. We don't know. <laughs> well, you just gotta wait a month and then everything will be fine and dandy, like with most new games. Whether or not that's a good thing. I I think it's bad, but I also think it's bad, too. You know, these things are made by humans, and humans make mistakes. And computers make mistakes because they're made by humans. Like those two sayings, Rome wasn't built in a day, and nobody can bat a thousand. Who the hell says that second one? I don't know. I've never heard that. I heard it from somewhere. I've played a lot of broke-ass games that I've still liked, and I've played a lot of wonderfully polished games that I've hated. I, so I, I can only think of one broke-ass game, quote-unquote, that I still played and enjoyed and made a pretty good living out of it. And that was Medal of Honor Warfighter. Yeah, that was rough. I don't think I played a second. I don't play the campaign, and I know I didn't have a good time with it. I didn't play any of the online. Uh, multiplayer, that was one of the issues. It's just, especially in a later portion of a average multiplayer match, Sometimes you lose the the background sound and you lose every almost every sound except the little it's like Koya, you gotta kill or hits taken and all that. That's the only thing you hear. They it the sound is gone. Your ears are shot off basically. Well well but you got the tinnitus from all the gunfire. It's realistic. Come on, it's the most realistic shooter ever. <laughs> It's realistic because you're in the battlefield, you don't hear music. Nobody playing fucking music out oh, of the speakers. There's music like, in the fucking the there's World War One. The, the vehicles, there was radio. Oh, of course. Uh, I think possibly real songs. Probably, they've been doing that for several years. Maybe Eminem or one of those other losers made a new song. I don't think anything for me will ever top Hardline. I've already talked about the glories of Hardline in previous shows, but it, just, it, it works so perfectly for me, both story and online. Because it was made by a different team. It wasn't made by fucking Dice. It was made yes, by Visceral, who are now dead. Uh, they've been killed off by EA because this is what EA does. They suck you up and spit you out worse than when Youthway got you. They did this to Mass Effect. They're going to do it to Dragon Age. Kill their own franchises is dead because they don't make enough money. And, uh, and one last thing I can think of on the beta that I've also noticed is, you know, it's like, yeah, there's vehicles, tanks, and APCs out there, but you have to call them for it. Like, you gotta press both bumpers at the same time. It's like, request, you know, vehicle drop-off, you know. you like, you see so this thing... gets dropped from a helicopter? Dropped from a plane or a helicopter. I haven't watched it come down, but I know I saw a tank come down in a parachute. Including a tank on the top of a hundred-story building. Like, how did that get up there? And I realized, oh, wait a minute, you have to call it a parachute to tank in. Some jackass did it because he thought it would be funny.
So anyways, you do want to play 2042, though. Yeah, but um, haven't pre-ordered. Tried to, but um, wasn't registered, so thank goodness it didn't register in order to play that beta. You got me a Game Pass. Yeah, you don't need to pay... Uh, I, I think I think I talked about Game Pass on this show before, I don't recall, but it's a great service if you have an Xbox or a PC. It also runs a PC. Uh, as opposed to something like PlayStation Now, which is fucking terrible. Because PlayStation Now, as of the day that we're recording this, still doesn't allow you to play PlayStation 5 games. Uh, Xbox, you can play original Xbox 360 games, Xbox One games that have come out this year. I wouldn't have gotten so far into Hades if it weren't on Game Pass. I wouldn't have touched it. I said, fuck this game. Instead, now I just say, fuck that game story and all the characters. Um, <laughs> but I can't... Battlefield is going to be $70 yeah. because they can charge $70. Vanguard is going to be $70 because they can charge it. Horizons, uh, Horizon Forbidden West and PlayStation is going to be $70. The next God of War game, Ragnarok, is going to be $70. They're not upping the price because of inflation. They're upping the price because they can. And they know they can get away with it, and they know that people will pay for it. And to me, none of those things I just named are worth $70. I don't think most of them are worth 60 I I've, I don't know that I can pay full price for games anymore. And not because... I don't think they're worth that, but because, you know, there's so many technical problems, especially if it's an online game. Shit's expensive, yo. Yeah. Anyways, if you take nothing else from this show, just uh, save your money, because shit's expensive. Don't waste it on movies and TV and Amazon and Netflix. Those suck. Play more video games. Thanks for being on, Thomas. Uh, when's your next video of the... So, what's coming up for the Lord Master channel, the Lord Master YouTube channel, is um, is the last couple of episodes of Europa Versalis for Croatia, as we've wrapped up the Dili Mughal series, with its final two episodes that's to be posted very soon. And then, uh, coming soon, the uh, Crusader Kings 3 Avar series, with the Royal Court DLC, with all of its new features, if I ever get up to a kingdom level then we get to the fancy throne stuff or you could just start there instead of picking a minority culture and work your way up yeah. and uh and of course the since this is a month of october by halloween the organ trail video it's become a tradition i do like two a year one on april and another in halloween well it's not exactly a deep lore game so you can only do so much in it it has its limits, so that's why I do that every once in a while. Not every three months like I do with Organ Trill with that insanity that I like to do. Because mm, you purposely make it different. Uh, As for me, what's coming up next? More games that you I don't want to bother talking to you about because you've never heard of them. Uh, probably more next-gen things because I own both a PlayStation 5 and a Series X and it cost me all of my Biden bucks. Uh, thank you for listening. Good bye.